We're at the end of a crazy week in the NBA. The Wizards fired their coach. The Bucks fired their coach. The Wolves blew a game where their players scored 62 points. The Heat finally made a trade for Terry Rozier. I mean, let's just get into foul trouble. into foul trouble i feel like we're fouled out right now i know and beat scored 70 i didn't even say it. you know this week has been crazy a lot of these things happened like a couple hours after our other pod dropped so it feels like they happened like weeks ago i know it's it's just been it, these last it, it hasn't even been a full week it's been three days and we just keep getting inundated with story after story. The freaking Wizards fired their coach this morning. And kind of fired. He's now in the front office. Your sons finally get a nice win over the Mavs. Oh like in a, in a game where Luka, you know, doesn't look the best. The fan thing. And that's not even a top 10 story this I, week. I know. I know. I'm dying to talk about it. But we, we literally do not have place <laughs> in the rundown to talk about this. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start in Miami? Do you want to start in Milwaukee? What do you, where do you want to start with? I think we should start in Milwaukee. Absolutely. All right. So the Bucks fired their coach, Adrian Griffin, despite being the two seed, three seed in the conference. Um, they followed that up with a 126-116 win over the Cavaliers, who've been pretty hot lately. And they just hired Doc Rivers on a $3.5 million deal. Yeah. I'm, that just dropped this morning. Um, what was... What was your first reaction when you saw the Milwaukee Bucks have parted ways with Adrian Griffin? Oh, I mean, I thought I, I thought it was coming. Yeah, yeah. I kind of thought it was coming. This season had a very David Blatty feel to it. Yeah, definitely. And, and they have such a great record right now, but the vibes were just kind of rotten from even the preseason. Uh, but it's weird, though, because the vibes between the players have seemed pretty good. Like the Giannis Dame, you know, for for everything else, seems like they like playing with each other. Yes. For the early returns. Yeah, it seems like they like playing with each other. And this has really been the best offense that we've ever seen a Giannis-led team have, mm -hmm. which has been really impressive on that side of the ball. But it's definitely been by far the worst defense that we've ever seen from a Giannis-led Bucks team. So... How do you feel about Doc though? Because I'm I'm kind of out on Doc as like a championship. Here's my thing, Coach. You don't have the right to complain about not having a top ten coach in the league when you have a superstar, a mega mega superstar like you have in Giannis that has won you a chip. He's, he's been a finals MVP. You go out, you get Damian Lillard. You are, I, I can't imagine a more win now team than the Milwaukee Bucks. And you kind of set the table for that by hiring a first time head coach. Once you do that, you've, you've made your bed and kudos to the Bucks for being willing to, to change on that, even though they've been relatively successful in the win column, but there's no better option right now on the market. I, I don't see where the better place to go would be than, than Doc Rivers. And at least it's a guy who the one good thing you can say about Doc is for the most part, take James Harden out of this situation. He's a guy that at least from what I've seen, his players always respect him. And his players always, for the most part, like playing for him until he blows a 3-1 lead. Yeah, so I was I tried, I spent a lot of time trying to find this, but I could not find the article. I searched through many Google pages. So if anyone listening to this trouble foul trouble podcast knows, last year at the beginning of the season for the Sixers, they were looking really good with Harden and Embiid. And an anonymous Sixers player told the media we're not gonna win the championship because of Doc. Ooh. And I want to find that quote. I want. To, I don't want to misquote it. But having watched like the Clippers collapse, like Doc, like like that Nugget series in the bubble, like why is Harold playing so many minutes when he can not guard when he cannot guard Jokic and he's not giving you that much on offense? Like in the Sixers series, like really, that's all we have is this like kind of weird Harden and Bead pick and roll. Like last year, the whole big adjustment was like, oh, we're gonna put him beat at the foul line so he can read the defense and not turn the ball over as much. And the Sixers' clutch offense was still kind of a disaster. 
Um, and it's looked so much better under Nurse. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, Harden's doing pretty good in Clipperland right now. <laughs> like, it's kind of weird even blaming Harden. There's also that thing where Doc was like, well, after the All-Star break, James Harden stopped playing team basketball and he started playing me basketball. And I saw a Reddit user was like, James Harden's field goal attempts per games didn't change post and pre-All-Star break. That is an <laughs> like, insane stat. I feel like Doc is like, I don't want to say Doc's a bad coach, but at the same time, like, yes, he's getting the one seed, the two seed, the three seed quite a bit over the last decade. But look at the rosters, man. Yeah. Look at these rosters. I mean, he's got Lob City Clippers, one of the best rosters of the mid-2010s. The the Clippers later in the, that year, like, one of the best rosters then. Then he gets the Sixers, who have Joel freaking Embiid. And <laughs> look sorry, at what he's doing right now. Yeah, the first year they had Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons was, like, a legitimate depoy candidate. And then they get Harden. So it's like... We don't – I feel like Doc is – I feel like there's more evidence he's hamstringing really, really good rosters in the playoffs than he is lifting them up. Having said all that, I'm with you in that right now the Bucks are 21st in defensive rating. They're coming in at around like 117, 118 points per 100. The Nuggets last year and this year are at 114.6, which was 17th last year, 11th this year. I think Doc can get them to to that. Absolutely. I, I I think they're a major candidate to jump up into the top 10 for the rest of this season from a defensive rating standpoint. And the one thing that I, I was dipping into the numbers a little bit and I was really surprised and I, from what Giannis is averaging right now, this is the first year since 2016, 2017, very, very early on in the Giannis experience for the Bucks that the Bucks were not top 10 in transition frequency for first time since 2016, 2017, that they weren't top 10 right now. They're 21st in transition offense frequency. You've got maybe the best transition offense player of all time. That should be a relatively easy switch for doc to kind of tinker with there. Also their transition defense has been really, really bad as well. If you can tighten up the screws there, you're never gonna get amazing, like in series adjustments out of Doc. I think the kind of playbook is laid bare there, but there's little tweaks that if you make them and you're Doc, you can just drastically raise the ceiling on an already very successful team. Yeah, and I think this like kind of goes back because we've had a couple pods like. like What's going on with the Bucks defense? And the one thing, because I feel like there's been a lot of like, well, they switched out Drew for Dame. And it's like, I feel like switching out the point guard should not collapse the entire defense, especially when I'm watching the games. And like, yes, Dame's bad on defense, but it's not for lack of trying. So I do think like switching up the coach, bringing in Doc is really going to like stabilize this team. I'm just worried what it looks like when this team gets into a seven game series versus Nick Nurse or Eric Spolstra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I've already I mean, seen both of those guys kind of, well, not nurse, but like I've seen Spolstra coach circles around Doc. Yeah, I mean, you go down the list of the coaches in the Eastern Conference. So Joe Maz, I don't know. I'll take Doc. Like I'll probably take Doc as well. But after that, you've got Nick Nurse. I'll take Nick. JB Bickerstaff, you'd probably go with Doc. He's been a lot better this season. Yeah, I, I didn't watch enough of that Cavs Knicks series to be honest to really like comment on JB. But he's, yeah, yeah I don't know. those are the two names on the top of the East that you're yeah. kind of thinking about yeah. taking Doc. And then Thibodeau, I'd rather take Tibbs to be honest than yeah, Doc. I'll take Tibbs, uh, Spolstra, definitely Spo, Rick Carlisle. I probably would Carlisle. definitely yeah, probably take Carlisle. Carlisle. And then you're getting down to the teams where it, it really doesn't matter so much. Jamal Mosley, Billy think, Donovan, Quinn Snyder. Yeah, I think like Carlisle versus Doc is like a really interesting one because like that's like the thing with like coaching in the NBA, right? Like so many times we can analyze like when did they use their timeouts? But like behind the scenes, right? It's like I think me and you would both say Rick Carlisle is more of a tactician. Somebody Absolutely. that if a series were to be a longer series, I think I'd rather have Carlisle. But I think if you told me like Doc and Carlisle's team played and one team won in five, I'd probably lean toward Doc's team being because it's almost like players seem to like playing for Doc a bit more than playing for Carlisle. So it's like for a coach like Carlisle, you can only get the most out of him with a certain type of roster. Yeah.
And I mean, and it seems like he has that indie to his credit. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 He has been able to really structure his system for the, the guys he has. But one other thing that we haven't talked about at all is Shams reported that Doc has been serving as this informal consultant for the Bucks since December. So he's been around the situation at least. So he's not coming in completely cold, just watching their games in the ESPN telecast. So I, I guess there's that. And it's kind of raises questions of like, did Doc do a little nudging? Y- nudging. Yeah, to- I guess my one change, and I don't know if he's up for it because we talked about this off the pod. So right now, D'Antoni is like an assistant advisor to the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Man, I'd way rather have Mike D'Antoni than Doc Rivers as my coach. Hey. Like, it's not D'Antoni's fault they missed 27 threes in a row. Like, those Rockets teams were playing pretty damn good defense at the peak of their powers. Like, I don't know, man. I'm I'm still kind of all in on D'Antoni as being an elite NBA coach. I don't really care that he doesn't win a chip yet. Like, Best coach I'll, in Suns history right there. That's my guy, dude. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I just, if I'm like, I'm one of those guys and it's like, you know what? Like, this is going to make Dame probably hit a whole nother level playing under D'Antoni. And like, they'll play faster to your point about the transition offense. Like they'll get out, they'll get running, they'll get Giannis in space more. Like, I don't know if that was an option, so I don't want to lambast them for not going that way, but that's where I would have gone. Yeah. My, that's what I was just going to ask you is like, what is the, the perfect yeah. place? What are the alternatives? Yeah. Mike D'Antoni's 72. And I think at this point he hasn't, been in one of those like lead roles since his short stint as an assistant for Steve Nash in Brooklyn. So I'm guessing that he's probably just at the place in his career where he doesn't want to be the head coach of an NBA team, which I totally get it. Yeah. I think there's a part of Harden that leaves Brooklyn because he's like, why is why is he the head coach and why is he the assistant coach? Uh, probably. Uh, uh, Jan, damn. Popovich is 74 for the record. So, <laughs> Well, He's we like, have talked a lot about yeah. what Popovich's shortcomings yeah. are. Wait, how old is D'Antoni right now? 72. 72, yeah. So. Okay, so Almost he's got two years in him. Or I guess he has one year in him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 74 is now the cutoff. You yeah. can no longer be him. <laughs> I like that um, Doc's is, Doc is a Marquette guy. That's cool. Getting back into the like Wisconsin area. Um, as far as other options for coaches, um, I thought the Kenny Atkinson name was pretty interesting. He's the lead of uh, assistant in Golden State. Seems like he's kind of pegged to be the the next guy that yeah, after Steve them. Kerr. So I understand why he wouldn't want to go there. I mean, the one name that I knew was not going to happen, which I would have loved to see just for the theater of it all, and I think he's a great coach, is just them crawling on their knees back to Bud. Oh, Uh, yeah. Well, is there like a weird, you know, I don't want to go too down this rabbit hole. We have too much to talk about, but a fun hypothetical, some sort of weird world where the Lakers are like, you want Darvin Ham back? Yeah. And the Bucks are like, Oh, yeah, over Griffin? Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I wanted them to throw a second-round pick at Monty. Monty <laughs> Williams, they just need a guy to bring together the locker room. That's the only thing Monty Williams does. I would be so upset if I was a Bucks fan that happened. All right, let's get to the Wizards. They fired Wes Unsell Jr. They brought on Brian Keefe, one of their assistant coaches, to be their coach the rest of the season. I feel like we don't need to spend a lot of time on this just to alert everyone that the second-worst team in the league that – might be jockeying to be the worst team after the trade deadline, uh, switch coaches. And, yeah. Uh, he had a 37% winning percentage in his time in Washington. Definitely not an easy job to succeed in, especially over the course of time that he's been there. But for the most, I'm like, why do it now? Yeah. I, it's, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, you know, as much as like a lot of us, in the quote media, I don't know if we count as the media, are like, team should tank. Like, it's not easy working in an NBA front office and being like, bro, we suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to say I like watched so many Wizards games that I'm an expert on how good or bad Wes Unseld is, but it's one of those things where it's like, your highest paid player is the player who has like the worst plus minus on your team in Jordan Poole. And it's like, whenever that's like the dynamic of your roster salary cap situation, like, it's tough, especially when that guy's not like an old veteran who's overpaid as a result of like getting injured. Like Jordan Poole is just bad. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's the worst that he, he's been since he really like came onto the NBA scene as a, a real player. And I mean, we can just like go down this roster who has like gotten better as a player in their time under Wes Unsell Jr. Kyle Kuzma, maybe same guy, uh, pretty much the same guy. And then, you know, Corey Kispert, he's been okay. Like, I don't think he's really improved on his draft stock very much. Uh, Denny's been okay. Hasn't really like solidified him. Like, I think they, if they tried to trade him, do they get a first round pick? I just, I don't know. Personally, I don't love speculating on like how much should he elevate these guys? Cause like, there's always the reality. Like some of these guys might just suck. Yeah. Like there's a chance that Denny Advia is just like never going to be a good enough athlete to be a productive NBA player. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of like him, but I, all I'm saying is like, we haven't seen yeah, him we haven't seen the make players better. And that is the mode that the Wizards are in right now. Mm-hmm. They finally, after playing the, the like middle game with, with Brad Beal for so long, decided that they're going to turn it around and try to rebuild in the way that we've learned as NBA fans works. And I don't know if Wes Unsell Jr. matches that. And I I wish it would have been a really cool story if, if he was that guy because of his family's history with the team. And and it, it seems like he's moving into a front office role. So he's not leaving the wizards franchise, but, um, yeah, I, I guess, you're happy about this if you're a Wizards fan. There's something to look forward to. Yeah, but, I think Wizards fans are like, oh, all right. And it's always... <laughs> They're like, <yeah>. all right. <laughs> it's cool. always nice to be the first team on the the coaching carousel market. So, like, you got first first divs on the on the platter yeah i think the wizards are like wizards fans are like all right all right yeah they're gonna leave for virginia like okay like yeah all is not well in wizard land all is definitely not well johnny davis still is on the roster yeah all right let's talk about a, a team that has a very good coach the miami heat they traded kyle lowry and a protected 2027 first round pick for terry rogier uh, so including last night in Rozier's debut, the Heat have quietly lost four straight and they have Rivals Week Celtics tonight. You know they're going to come out and just route the Celtics. <laughs> I don't know. So Rozier uh, is averaging 23 points, about four rebounds, six and a half assists. His contract, $23 million this year, about 25 next year, 26.6 the final year, which is partially guaranteed. Um, as a like supporter of this organization, I guess you could call me, I, I would call you that. <laughs> um, I, I like the trade only because, like, Lowry was really not giving the Heat a lot. Like, he was getting down to averaging, like, two, three points a game for, like, at the end of his Heat tenure. And, like, the big problem with Lowry was, like, twofold is, like, one, he's very reluctant to shoot. Mm-hmm. And the Heat kind of needed another pressure guy on their offense because once Hero's off the court, it's like, Okay, who's going to make a shot? And I'm going to get to this later because you're probably everyone listening is like, what about Jimmy? I'm going to talk about Jimmy soon. But like Rogier last night's like 3 of 11, not a great performance. He's missing a lot of like point blank layups. Also, Bam is also missing a lot of – a lot of Heat players missed a lot of relatively easy shots last night. I think you can hope for positive regression. There. Yeah, I, I, I will – there was like a take, there was like a 10-minute sequence between the end of the first and the beginning of the second where the Heat are just like missing shot at the rim over and over and over again. Um yeah, I mean, I like the trade just because, like, if the Heat don't do anything and they're just like, all right, you guys made it to the finals twice, ECF three times, like, you could do it again. Like, that's just not good management. And, like, Pat Riley, going back to when they had the big three Heat, like, they won the title. They add Ray Allen. Because what he's learned is, like, you can't just stand Pat. You always have to keep building on the roster. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I think from, like, an asset evaluation, I think it's a really great asset play. The, this is the Miami Heat. They do not have great first round picks and you it's a wide open East. It's a wide open West and being able to trade for a guy that's averaging 23 points a game, shooting 35% from three on a team like the Hornets. That is just not a place that it's easy to get anything. I think it's a total win. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting with the protections that they put on that pick that they sent out. It 
kind of hamstrings them of of what picks that they can trade going forward. But looking forward to like draft day, on draft day, they'll be able to trade their 2030 pick, 2029 pick swap, and their 2024 pick on draft day. So I think that's really enough to get yourself in like a, a Mitchell conversation or or a bigger player conversation going into <clears throat> next season if that's what they want to do. If you win the championship, maybe you don't have to do that. Um, I think from an offensive perspective, like you said, it's it's kind of a home run. This is the guy that like he's going to take a lot off Jimmy. He's going to take a lot off like a guy Hero. like Tyler Hero. Kyle Lowry was just a non non-factor. Six, six and a half field goal <laughs> attempts a game. He's not bringing it to the rim at all. Shooting okay from three, thirty-eight percent from three, but just not shooting it. Yeah, just, just not, not shooting, not it. shooting at all. Which happens like very Chris Paul esque. I think he's a little bit more down the road than Chris. Um, but I, I am interested. How do you feel about the hero Rosier defensive backcourt? I'd be more worried if I hadn't already seen the hero Duncan courts work okay. out well okay. enough for the heat to get to the finals a couple times. What I, this is what I want to talk about. So the heat lose one Oh five 96 to Memphis last night. And I'm like, what are we doing? So Jimmy Butler has 10 field goal attempts and he has eight free throw attempts. So basically Jimmy Butler shot the ball 14 times. I was like, why does Jimmy just not shoot in the regular season? Why does this guy just not shoot? So I was like, is this just me thinking? So I'm looking at his playoff game log, and basically Jimmy Butler goes from almost never shooting over 16 times a game to always shooting over 20 times a game. That's the big adjustment the Heat have made the last four postseason runs is they're just like, Jimmy shoot more. So Jimmy is still 88th percentile in points per shot attempt. So basically like when Jimmy shoots, the team is better. And this is what I'm talking about where it's like, you're not really taking a load off Jimmy when Jimmy's not doing anything in the regular season when it comes to scoring. Uh, so he's at his lowest usage rate with the Heat at 25%. So again, like he's still a, a stupidly efficient points per shot attempt because he's shooting better from three. He's being assisted way more on all of his shots. He's worse at the rim than he's been in a while, but he still gets fouled all the time and he's shooting 88% at the free throw line concerning number his and one percentage is down 10% Ooh, wow and his rim numbers are down so there's a lot of numbers with Jimmy because I've kind of done this thing there's been this perception that the Heat are just like wait they'll wake up in the playoffs but it's not reality the first year Jimmy was there they were good in the regular season they were good in the playoffs second year they were bad in the regular season they were bad in the playoffs third year they're the one seed in the regular season they're good in the playoffs. Last year is the only year where the regular season performance didn't match up with the playoff performance. So what I'm wondering, is this another year where the regular season performance might not match up with the playoffs? Because, again, it's one of these things where it's like Jimmy, despite being kind of down efficiency-wise, like last season he was in the 100th percentile in points per shot attempt. He was literally, if Jimmy Butler shot the ball, it was the greatest thing an NBA team could have happened for them. Where Where is he nowadays He's 88. Okay. So Jimmy's so still a, hyper a pretty elite. big drop off though. But last season Jimmy Butler shooting it was literally the greatest thing that could happen for a team. So I'm wondering like this year obviously the Heat will dial that back up, but I'm kind of like So let me ask you a question. Am I a little worried that all these little numbers like and one percentage, rim finishing percentage and like the amount of shots that he's making that are assisted are up? Like he's a little less self-creating. 13 seasons in. Yeah. A lot of those seasons, he was playing under Tom Thibodeau, which we've seen what that does to players mm -hmm. over the course of their careers. Are you at all worried? Like, there's this huge sentiment, like you were talking about, from, I would say, generally all non-Heat fans and a lot of Heat fans, that Jimmy can just reach down into the depths of his heat culture soul and grab just like this superpower and be this superstar in the playoffs. Are you worried that that might be coming to an end sooner rather than later? It's kind of what I'm getting at. But I think this year it's going to happen because I was doing a deep dive into like what really changes. And really the number that changes more than any other number isn't like three-point percentage. It's FGA. Mm -hmm. Jimmy just shoots more. And Jimmy, when he shoots, the team is really good. Jimmy, please shoot more, man. Just start shooting. <laughs> Look at my guy. Jimmy, he, I he's want begging you to you. score. Please shoot the ball. You're so good. You gotta shoot. Um, but this might, but that's why I think this is why it's a good trade. I think this might be 
the last season of just because this is where I start to get worried when your rim attempts are down, when your rim finishing percentage is down, when a higher percentage of your shots are assisted to me says like you're a little bit more reliant on teammate creation. And in the playoffs, we know isolation scoring self-creation is really, really important from your 1A guy. So I'm wondering if the Heat are kind of like, this might be the last really, really good run we have with this group, especially with the way they're kind of performing the regular season. Because last year it was a lot of like, Bam playing, Hero Jimmy out, Hero playing, Jimmy out. But this season, we've lost like four straight games where you go to the starting lineup and it's like, oh, there's Bam, there's Hero, there's Jimmy. Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, yeah. And I I love the trade too. Like, I, I think it's really great value for them, like I said. And we haven't even mentioned, Terry Rozier still has two years on his contract after this. So it's not a rental by any means. What do you think about next moves for the for the Heat? I know the Caleb Martin contract situation is a little weird. This definitely complicates that. I don't know if the Heat are wanting to be a second apron team, but if you re-sign um, Caleb Martin to the kind of deal that I think you would get on an open on the open market, that might put you as the Heat in a second apron scenario. What what do you view as as what? Is there another move that they need to make? If Do you think that they should stand pat? What are you thinking? It's kind of tough because it seems like the NBA world at large is kind of not valuing Hero as much as the Heat do. So there's that disconnect in trade value. But it's it's so this team is so tough to gauge, right? Because it's like even when they were the one seed last year, a lot of people were not. I was personally pretty high on them as a fan. I liked their chances to go to the finals. I mean, they were so close. If Jimmy just hits that 1-3, they're in the finals against the Warriors. But... Like, it's so hard to gauge this team, right? Because they just lost four straight. They just lost to an undermanned Memphis team. But it's at the same time, we've seen what they do in the playoffs. So they're just the hardest team to assess. Yeah, you can't put any reason into <laughs> what they're doing at all. And actually, I think I did misspeak, misspeak a little bit. I think this trade actually does put them in the first apron. Mm -hmm. So the interesting wrinkle there is once you're an apron team, you can only you can't do anything on the buyout market other than under the mid-level exception with which I believe is around 12 million dollars. So a guy like Gordon Hayward who I would think is a, would be a perfect fit for Miami in the past if he gets bought out is not someone that you're going to be Yeah, able I'm a little to worried too with, even if they were like little redundancy there with Hayward's game and Hame's game. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, I think, like, one thing for the Heat that's really tough, right, is, like, Kevin Love's eating a lot of minutes right now. And, like, Kevin Love gives you spacing. He kind of gives you some, like, nice post finishing against smaller defenders. He's obviously, you know, horizontally movement. Like, a little bit challenged. of rebounding still. Yeah, like, good outlet, which is good for generating transition on a team that struggles to score. But it's, like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of tough because, like, Love is actually giving this team a lot of things that they kind of need, like that outlet passing. Like, we saw that in the playoffs was a huge weapon for this team. Um, yeah, and it just it, it gives the Heat the very rare ability to have plus passers at nearly every single position with Bam, Kevin Love, Jaime, Jimmy, Rozier, and Rozier. Yeah, I just I don't know because I feel like this team is more likely to make another another. I wouldn't. Talk, I think Rozier is a big upgrade over Lowry, but I think like another marginal upgrade, maybe like another power forward they can pj throw tucker the on a buyout <sighs> I don't, I don't that, that's a guy that they could get i'm really curious what they're gonna look like tonight yeah, yeah. Who, who are, oh yeah the because they're playing the celtics tonight yep yeah that um that should be a really really great matchup um i'm, I'm trying to think what else do i want to ask you about the heat while while we're while we're talking about them yeah, have you had any like just random thoughts recently about how they're looking uh, that we haven't discussed yet yeah i mean the jimmy thing is my big my big thing where it's just like jimmy why are you taking 10 field goal attempts or i kind of i kind of wish there was a stat that showed you actual shot attempts because it's kind of messy when it's like 10 field goal attempts eight free throw attempts it's like was that 14 shots was that 12 shots and two and ones like um but, like, 14 shot attempts for a guy playing 35 minutes a game who's, again, one of the most efficient scorers in the league. Like, just – it's just – it's. I guess it's weird that it's, like, are they just okay with not having home court? Like, I'm just I'm just a little confused with, like, what the mindset is with the team sometimes. Ab yeah, I, I understand that, and I think that's a reasonable place to be. So let's look at the East 
just as an entirety. Two absolutely huge moves have been made in the Eastern Conference. Or actually really three with the James Harden trade as well. You want to just like... <laughs> Who are our, our let's who are our top three contenders in the East at, at this point? I think we're both in agreement in Boston being number one. I got Boston one. I've got Philly two. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm there now as well. Yeah. So big number with Philly. Uh I don't know if it's different from I don't think they played last night. 26 and six with 26 and six with Embiid. That's a higher winning percentage than the Celtics have. That is pretty wild. I mean, yeah, dude. You want to talk about Embiid a little bit real quick? I mean, it, it happened a while ago. We've kind of glazed Embiid, if you will, on this podcast. It's like a weekly thing now. But the guy's he's the, he's the MVP. He's the best player in the league right now, at playing like it at least. Like, I don't know, man. 70 points for a center. I feel like people don't appreciate how difficult that is for a non-guard to do. Yeah, I mean, he's not a guy that's bringing up the ball. And I couldn't help. I, I just rewatched all the possessions of that game last night. And I can't help but think at this point, and I don't think it's an overreaction, that what Embiid is doing this season is a modern-day Wilt Chamberlain season. He's season. scoring at a higher rate per minute than Chamberlain did. And, and he's such a great comp, like um, just career-wise for Chamberlain. Chamberlain was constantly running into weird things that was going on in the playoffs, the Boston Celtics dominance and, you know, the the Warriors moving. And, and it never quite... I know he won a championship earlier on in his career that Embiid didn't win. But the absolute dominance, the touch around the basket, both of them, the just sheer size and strength that both of them were able to yeah. weir, wield. And both of them being in Philly, it's just such a... Fun and them having a foil of the Bill Celtics. Russell and Nikola Jokic, these guys that kind of like, of course, Nikola Jokic's stats. I feel are like insane, Tatum is the real foil, but they like hover over basketball as like those guys are team guys. They make all of their teammates better in a way that these like Goliaths don't. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I just think it's it's, it's really narrative. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean. I, look, I'll be down to talk and beat all day. I love Joel, but we've talked so much, Joel. And the 70 point, it feels like it happened a week ago now. So much has happened this I, week. I just feel like I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit because it's 70 points. Yeah. Seven, I mean, that's especially for a center. I feel like what people really, because I know Wilt has the 100. So I think people think like, oh, it's a big, big men don't score 70. Mm -mm. It's like Joel just did it. David Robinson did it in an effort to try to get the scoring title one year. And like Wilt, those are like the three guys who've done it. All the other players who did it are guards. And, and in really our lifetime, it, it's exclusively been guards. Guards, yeah. Uh, we got we had the book one, of course. We had the Kobe 81 the and Mitchell. then Mitchell and Lillard. And it's a lot easier when you can jack up threes. threes yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I, I still had been discounting, I think, this 76ers team. And I... It feels like they need one more guy who can handle the ball. It yes. It, like I, I, I really I'm just worried in a Celtics series if it's gonna be a little too like maxi Embiid. Or yeah, maxi Embiid-ish. Like, cause like that's how it kind of felt last year, even with Maxi and Harden, was they went kind of to like Harden and Bead ball. And Maxi, you can shoot it, but you don't really get to handle it that much. I mean, I will say Harden won them two. Okay, yeah, two of the games. Two of those games in in a real way that I don't know how they replace that. That just like having the roll of the dice of a dude that can just go out there and win you a playoff. But the good game. thing for the Sixers was Maxi proved he can play in the playoffs well last year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm pretty. I don't know. I think as a Heat fan, I would rather see the Bucks. You would rather? Oh, I mean, they just fired their. They coach. just fired their coach. <laughs> but it's also just like one of those things where it's like if Embiid is healthy, like that's the kind of player the Heat struggle to guard. Like. That season they went to the final against the Lakers, that whole regular season, or not the whole, they played twice, but like both of those regular season games, like Anthony Davis was just dominant against us. And I was like, like when they played in the finals, I was like, I just don't see how, see how the Heat are going to answer the Anthony Davis problem. And it's the same thing that happened when they played the Nuggets where I was like, I don't see how we answer the Jokic problem. And yeah. I know we beat the Sixers two years ago, but like 
Embiid's coming off a fractured face. Completely different series. Harden, also Harden versus Jimmy. Can you name like another player that if I have like Jimmy Butler, I'm like, oh, I'm getting, a, I'm gonna own that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I could see a Jimmy going very aggro against Damian Lillard. Like you said, it the the Bucks um, Sixers matchup is a very weird matchup. But um, okay, so we've got Boston, we've got Philly. We're both with that. Who do you have? Third, as far as championship equity in the Eastern Conference. Dude, it's so hard to pick between the Heat and the Bucks because it's like my heart and my like, okay, I just know the Heat are going to beat them if they play. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to go with the Heat. Fuck it. I don't care that they're six right now. Like, I don't fear the Bucks at all as a Heat fan. Like, I don't know. It just feels like we have their number. Yeah, I, I'm going with Milwaukee. I, I agree with you about that <laughs> matchup in particular. The Milwaukee-Miami matchup, I think... That is like a total upset waiting to happen. The Damian Lillard edition makes it even more of a bad matchup for them. But um, I think if they miss each other in the playoffs, like it's kind of weird that they've played so many times as it is. I like Milwaukee against the field better than Miami against the field. Last year was a little bit of a weird run. Like they destroyed Milwaukee, let destroyed me just say this. Milwaukee. They destroyed Milwaukee, but it was weird. Middleton wasn't Middleton. Giannis missed a, was, couple. Missed, missed a couple, wasn't really the guy that we've known him to be. They played against a Knicks team that really wasn't ready. I think they, they were a couple pieces short, and that was still a longer series. And then I don't even know what to talk about. To seven, that. Game seven. Yeah, they could have easily lost that uh, game seven if if Tatum Tatum wasn't, I don't want to take anything away from them because that playoff run is a run that I, in my opinion, makes Jimmy a Hall of Fame lock if he wasn't yeah. already. But um, that's kind of why I'm leaning Milwaukee. But I would go Miami for. Yeah, I'm kind of like put him at a tie. Yeah, I don't want to just like give the Heat the like benefit of the doubt because they've done it last year. Because every year is its own year, but it's just. I don't know. It's just like they have this really simple switch, which is just double Jimmy's FGA. Yeah. <laughs> well, the cores, the team go way back. The cores of these teams are roughly the same, other than Dame. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we've got the same four. Who do you have as? We'll stop it at five, but I want to know who who do you have as your fifth best contender in the Eastern Conference? So it's the Knicks, Cavs, or Pacers. Knicks, Cavs, or Pacers. Like, I, I want to say the Cavs, but just seeing what the Knicks did to them last year and seeing that I think the Knicks are even better this year, I got to go with the Knicks. I'm right there with you. I, I love what the Knicks have done this year. And I think, I, I really, really think they're they're going to end up being the Bruce Brown team. It, it just contractually, it's a really easy trade to make happen. And I think they're just, they're probably, they might be even deeper than the, the Celtics. Not as far as top end talent, but just talent as a whole I, I love what they got going over there in new york i do want to say though i could see the Cavs beating them i just there's a world where donovan mitchell is just the i still think mitchell's better than brunson personally like i think mitchell's I, oh, very I'm slept you, on like I'm with you, dude. I, I could see a world where mitchell just kind of goes ballistic because we've he's done it in the playoffs before this isn't like a thing that has never happened my thing with the Cavs is we have yet to see their two backcourt stars and their two frontcourt stars stars work together in the playoffs. In the playoffs, yeah. And but such a small sample we've size. We've kind of seen it in the regular season, but like hypo like when you think about the the fit of two small guards and the two the fit of two bigs that can't shoot, shoot yeah. like any other team if you take the names away from everybody, you're like an NBA like super fan is going to think like, yeah, that's probably not going to work. The fit in both places is weird. So I, I definitely will favor the Knicks over the Cavs for that reason. But the Cavs have the best player. Yeah, I, I again, I, I think the Knicks are a better overall team. I think they're even better than they were last year with the OG trade. But, man, Cavs are hot. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They are. They Mitchell, are. Mitchell. They were dead to rights. We were ready. We, <laughs> I, I had Donovan Mitchell traded 17 times already. Oh, man. All right. Uh, I guess the final thing that happened this week, and it feels like it happened so long ago because they've since beaten the Hornets, the the Wolves. Okay, you got a mic up. You got a mic up, Max. Max, our, how are we? What's the Wolves? Our resident right now? Timberwolves yeah. fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so 
obviously that 62 point game was rough. I actually didn't watch it live, but I was just following it like as I was doing other stuff. Um, uh, as as Chris Finch himself said, <laughs> terrible, disgusting defense. Uh, at a certain point, it became clear they were just letting Cat hunt shots and not fucking getting back in transition at all. Terrible defense. Um, they did it to themselves. Obviously, also, you know, important context is Ant was sick that game. So that's why his stat line was like nine and three or something. Like it was terrible. Um, yeah, it was really depressing. Uh, it, it feels like a lot of teams like the Thunder are getting super hot right now. Whereas the wolves are just like so, the thunder defeating. are the one seed now. They've overtaken you guys. You have the same record, but I think they have the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. No, I saw a graphic on Instagram the other day that said OKC takes the one seed, and I'm like, well, I mean, technically it's the same record as the wolves. Yeah, but. I mean, the Nuggets are a half game back yeah. as well. It's virtually a three way tie atop the Western <laughs> Conference right now. It, it but was super depressing. And then I should say that yesterday I watched them. I watched the Wizards game, and they barely beat the wizards bro like there was a several points in the game where the wizards were up by like six and i was just like what is going on i don't know maturity is definitely a at this point it's a fair red flag to have with this timberwolves team that's what rudy said he was like a more mature team would have like also played defense or sorry a more mature team would have also played (laughs) okay okay you know what though for as immature as the team was I saw this man, Rudy Gobert, drop an uncontested offensive rebound, which prompted me to text our foul trouble group <laughs> chat. Rudy Gobert sucks, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. When you're a center who can't catch, you know how a long time ago I had a New Year's resolution? I was like, I want to have an NBA project. I forgot one that I had actually thought of. The effect of a bad offensive center on your transition defense. Mm. Because if your center can't catch or finish at the rim for whatever reason, and he's now at their rim while their team is running, that has to hurt your defense. Rudy Gobert, secretly bad defensive player. Okay. (laughs) No, I am not kidding. That man is going to win the defensive player of the year award. I will say he looked very tired that game. I think that what you saw as a casual Timberwolves <laughs> Rudy being tired. The Frenchman had a little bit too much escargot before the game, and he was sleepy. Too much garlic and butter sauce. He's too much. He's too much escargot. Um, but you got to be worried. Like, when the Timberwolves are at their best, they are an aggressive, defensive-minded team. Yeah. And... When the playoffs are going on and it's so intense and you're trying to be super aggressive, that's when you need to be a super, super mature team. I think to like 2008 Celtics, how they were such an intense defensive team led by Kevin Garnett and and Rajon Rondo. And they were able to control that because they were such a veteran-laden team. Yeah. I'm starting to get worried that I, I think they're a great regular season team just flat out, but I am starting to get worried that once this season gets more and more tense, when seeding is more of more top of mind, this is a really close, like one through six for the most yeah. part. Are you ready? I'm about to tell you the final, final four standings for the West. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right. Give it Look to me. Nostradamus I just came from the future. Here. It's going to be Nuggets one, Thunder two, Clippers three, Wolves four. And then we're going to get Suns, Timberwolves in the first round. Wait, say that one more time, direct to camera. We're going to get, are you ready? This is my prediction. From the future. January 25th. This is from the future. Nuggets one, Thunder two, Clippers three, Wolves four. That's going to be the order. And we're going to get Timberwolves, Suns in the first round. Oh my God. That's a Jidel Inject that (laughs) into my veins. But there's only one problem with that. Is the Suns are never gonna lose another game. <laughs> They're on a seven-game winning streak. They're never gonna lose another game. Um, I, I will also say I think this it. Mike Conley was terrible in that game against the Hornets, and I think that that is just they are showing their flaw right now, and it is Mike Conley. And I like Mike Conley. Sometimes he looks like God, <laughs> um, but. He, the man is old and he's the adult in the room, the non French adult in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, if he doesn't have a good game, then they are not, um, looking this, good. This is why I threw that, uh, that DeJounte Murray trade at you, but I, I don't think DeJounte Murray would fix the, um, 
not attitude. What what is the word that we've been using this whole time? Um, maturity, maturity problem. Yeah, I will say this for the wolves though. I know it's the Wizards, and I know they didn't beat them by a lot, but I do like that they won their next game. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah, um, just don't look at Cat's stat line. <laughs> oh, I know Cat was bad. I did. I did look at Cat's stat line, but I think like. For someone like Edwards, I'm a little surprised that we had an... Uh, you said he was sick, but I'm, I'm sick. surprised we even had an Edwards game where they're thinking about running up Cat's points to one-up Joel Embiid, which is like a weird old beef that I thought was squashed, but I'm all for it coming back. All the big men. All yeah. the big men. They um, keep their beef. Yeah, I feel like Ant, though, I clearly is not the most mature guy from everything we've seen from him on social media, but it seems like really does care about winning, so yes. I... I could see that being more of a big learning moment from him. And instead of being something there, he's like, oh, I don't like my coach calling us out. I seem, He kind of does seem like the kind of player that appreciates a coach like Chris Finch calling out the whole team. So yeah. in terms of like fork in the road, is this crush the team or kind of galvanize the team? I think this could be kind of a, a galvanizing moment. And even though I do think they're going to drop to four in the standings, that's really more a result of like they were playing like 900 basketball for like mm-hmm. the first month and a half yeah. of the season. And the West that's just is hard to maintain. just... Like, yeah, is filled with absolute monsters, including the Timberwolves. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think the problem is they looked at their their schedule for the week and they were like, "Oh, we're playing the fucking Hornets and the Wizards. <laughs> like, let's just chill. This is a coast week." Yeah, and then they just took their foot off. They the they didn't have anything to get fired up about until they saw the seventy point effort by Embiid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess one quick note from that game, non Timberwolves related. Man, Brandon Miller looks good. I like, like Brandon Miller. Hornets, good good on you, Hornets. Everyone made fun of them for not picking Scoot. Like, Miller looks like he's going to be a good, like, wing player who can score in isolation for a long time. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've always felt about the Hornets' future is, like, I think M- Miller can play really anywhere, two, three, four, and a jumbo, jumbo backcourt of LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller, bearing that it's healthy... I think it's a super, super attractive place to start in a in a rebuild, which it seems like the Hornets are finally doing in a real way. Also, I wanted to say earlier, uh, uh, Rosier in a Heat jersey is kind of sick. Yeah. Kyle Lowry in a Hornets jersey, sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Tony Parker. For some reason, the most sad, like, aging veteran in a random team's uniform jersey for me will always be Elijah Wan in a Raptors jersey. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, a... Jordan as a wizard was putting up, like, 20. He's kind of badass. He's like, fuck it, I'll be a player again. I won't even be the GM. But, like, Elijah Wan in a Raptors jersey, especially when they're wearing those goofy purple ones, is like, dude, what, what dude, happened to you? Man? Patrick you're, Ewing you're... in the Sonics and or Magic jerseys. That's a sad one, That too. That hurts my heart. That R- man should R.I.P. Lowry, man. We're putting him out to pasture, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it's probably done yeah. for, for Lowry. But you know where I could see him going if he's bought out? I could so see him going to the Lakers. Like I, I, I to say, I think the Hornets should keep him. I don't I hate think that. Lamelo Ball needs somebody like that in his life for the next six months to be like, dude. Yeah. What the fuck, man? You guys are ten and whatever. Like, if He's you're honestly perfect, if you're that name. guy, Lamelo, like, you're ten and thirty-two. This roster's honestly to start the season like not that much. Like. I come if Lamelo's as good as he's supposed to be. Like this team should be better than ten and thirty-two. I mean, he's missed so much time this year with I think it was an ankle injury. He he's missed like twenty-five games or something. But um, yeah, like I, I I was wondering. There's been a lot of like Kyle Lowry's just gonna get bought out. Gordon Hayward's gonna get bought out. Is the new Hornets ownership really gonna just come in and eat sixty million dollars just off rip? It's a good question. Like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Even the Lakers last year were like, yeah, we can't just eat Russell Westbrook's $40 million, which I get they kind of had to trade it, and there's a lot of stuff that was going into it, but the Hornets organization is not printing the kind of money that the Lakers are making no. with LeBron James. Especially yeah. since MJ is out of the picture now, right? Yeah. He's a, a minority owner out. now. Okay. Um, He's a $3 billion man who does not want to pay that. Yeah. But honestly, that's probably for the better. Hot streak shooting slump? Hot streak shooting slump. (laughs) 
Where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? All right. So, your boy, I'm on a hot streak. My God. I have not had a shooting slump this year. Uh, Tuesday, put out my new video on the Jidel main channel, and it was my best performing video in like seven, eight months on the first Let's day. Go. So, really, really, really good. Um, you know, I had some great sushi for my dad's birthday. Um, the football game. It's weird we do hot streak shooting slump now on a Thursday. It's all misaligned because now we're going all the way back to last Sunday. But the week is just a, a yeah, human man, construct. A great weekend of football. Honestly, a great fun weekend of basketball. I had a lot of fun. The the day the Timberwolves collapsed, our, our group chat was going crazy. They yeah, beat 70 was... points. Then the wait a second cat has 60 points. Wait a second cat got benched. It was a really fun day to follow that was a very live live um, day i had a hint of a shoot a shooting slump though i had to i had to bring it up because i feel like lax man Ooh. i'm picking up my boy ian from lax and like i just so for those of you who've never been to lax it's basically like a big loop and then all of the seven terminals are on this loop and they're adding another terminal that's going to be a shuttle away and then, like, two years ago, they moved the Ubers away from everything. And I swear, Patrick, I don't know how you feel. Do you feel like since they added the Uber area, the traffic's been, like, a thousand times worse? Um, No. I actually... I, I, I don't know if it's, I like, I feel anecdotal. like it's roughly the same, to be honest. LAX on a weekday night, it takes almost 40 minutes to get through the loop. Yeah. It yeah. is insane It'd how like bad that. the traffic is at LAX airport compared to, like, every other airport. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really rough, especially at at nights or like hot hot travel days as it's, as well. It's to the point where I feel like if the next LA politician who runs on we're going to build an airport outside downtown LA, I feel like should instantly win, regardless <laughs> of party or any other policy. They have. I'm really interested to see how the train that they're connecting for like the Olympics and everything is going to affect what that is like. Because so, hypothetically, people can just jump on that like train and get right out of there. So that'll um, be so. Nice. Here's I'm a big I'm a big fan of trains and subways. The East Coast and me, dude. So LA, there's a map. They actually have a map. It's like which train and subway metro. lines, metro I, lines, will have built by the each year. So it's like the this is what pisses me off as a as a uh, train as a metro enjoyer. Um, this plan goes till 2060. So it's like 50% of it's supposed to be done by 2028 in time for the Olympics. And then the last 50% is drawn out over like 30 years. Jesus. <laughs> Odds that never and happens. Then, oh, and then also, here's the other big bugaboo as a uh, very selfish, but the part of the city I used to live in slash want to move back to West Hollywood, it doesn't get their metro line till 2052. I know. That is crazy. <laughs> Mind you, this is a part of the city that isn't near any freeway. It needs the metro line more than almost any other part of the city. Yeah, I'm with what you. What are we doing? Yeah. And let alone, you're bringing up all of the like feasible stuff. There's so many bars down there. Yeah, like no, but public safety just go no, straight there. Public safety wise, it's like literally one of the most popular areas in the city for nightlife. Public safety wise, it should be one of the first areas to get the metro line. Also, yeah. I will say like it's the most. It's the part of LA that is most similar to like Manhattan in terms of like uh, density of restaurants and bars and like walkable spaces. Yeah, like it makes the most sense to have subway stops be there. Yeah, and there are none. It it, it, it it's blows bad. my it's mind. It's big tire. Um, I'm telling you guys, it's big, big tire. tire. <laughs> they're they're stamping out all the metro. They're stretching it out to be 60 years from now. We'll have a workable metro. Big Tire needs to slow down and stop taking over LA. Goodyear is so pissed right now. They're never going to sponsor this <laughs> I podcast. Know. Damn it, we were so close. Sorry, to guys. We were so close to that Goodyear sponsorship. <laughs> I fumbled the bag. Um, but yeah, I had a shooting. I had a hot streak. Uh, just LAX. Just it's worth bringing up. It, it tempered the hot streak. I, I I went from having a seventy point game to a sixty two point game. Okay, that's still pretty good. That's that's still lost. pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a seventy point game while losing. Yeah, I I, I love that. <laughs> um, okay, well me. You know I had a hot streak. Let's go. You did, know we, did we know that? You know I had a hot <laughs> I don't streak. Know if we knew that. And here's the reason why why you knew that. Because of KD? 52. <laughs> 40. Ooh. 43. Ooh. 46. Ooh. 52 from Booker against the Pelicans. 40 from Durant against the Pacers. 43 from Durant on a back-to-back -back against the Bulls and a 20-point comeback. And then last night, I finally 
got my sweet, sweet revenge against the Dallas Mavericks and that whiny ass <laughs> European jumbo guard, Luka Doncic. Oh my God. It was oh, it was just so nice to see them fumble like a 15 point lead and him to just start crying over and over and over again while Devin Booker scorched him alive. Oh my God. Not to mention it was my birthday on Saturday. That was pretty nice as well. Um, yeah, I've had a great had a great week. I'm going to going to Arizona straight from here to my cousin Joe's wedding. Very excited for that. Shout out Joe. Um, I don't know. I, can, I can, I'm loving life. Max, I have to tell you something about the the Patrick family. Oh, I get to Patrick's birthday. Patrick, Patrick's brother, Patrick's sister, Patrick's girlfriend, Patrick's brother's <laughs> girlfriend. They're all wearing like Phoenix Suns starter jackets. <laughs> Phoenix Suns gear. Was there like a discount if you bought five of them? <laughs> what? You guys were you guys were decked fuck out in Suns gear. It was so In funny. our defense. In our defense, on the little poster that I made for my birthday celebration. I'm a twin for those of you that don't know. For me and Thomas's birthday celebration. It said Wear your favorite sports gear. Uh, so, what do you think I'm gonna do? I'm gonna wear my beautiful Cardinals? Devin Booker. Hey, shout out sunburst. to Shout out to your other brother who wore a Dwayne Wade jersey. That's true, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew did come through shout with the Dwayne Wade jersey. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. That's all I got. That's Matthew. cute. That's cute. I like it. What were you gonna say, James? No, I just I I was. I was you would like, expect oh nothing less. No, I wouldn't. I just I'm sad. I missed the memo. I don't know how I didn't read that. But how was your week, Max? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say I know that the point of the segment is you're supposed to have like a good or a bad week, but I kind of like the hot slump. I kind of like the halfway. Oh, I like that. Let's change up. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like I've been really productive creatively. I've been like writing the script that I've been working on for a while, like churning out pages. Hell so yeah. Sick. I've been reading more. Like I'm reading 30 pages a day because I said I'm tired of being an illiterate fuck and I want to like actually <laughs> read books because I have all these books just like could getting... not be me. <laughs> could not be me. I got all these dusty ass books on my shelf that I just need to like start going through. Yeah, I'm blowing <laughs> dust off left and right. Um, but on the other hand, the sleep has not been top notch. Mm. Been waking up in the middle of the night for no reason. Have and sometimes it's just like I have to pee, and I'm like, "What am I? Five hundred years old?" Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then you know the weather. I'm kind of it's kind of getting to me. I think I'm finally I'm finally over the the, the rainy gloomy. Over the, gl- the gloom. Yeah, yeah. I have a question. Do you guys feel like this is a weird thing with me? I feel like I'm more productive when I get good sleep, but I feel like I'm more creative when I get bad sleep. <laughs> I don't know if it's like delirium or what. Like the sleep deprivation gets you into like this weird like creative headspace. Yeah, I don't know. Like I don't know. You're just kind of like, wired. Like what time do you go to bed usually? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I uh, it depends. I like to be asleep by like 1130, I think is the goal. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I feel like I, I like that. That's <laughs> a good idea. When I used to stay up till two in the morning, though, I felt like I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm definitely more productive when I'm awake longer. Just the more hours that I can just grind. Um, I feel like I produce more. Um, definitely not healthy, though. I definitely get sick when I stay uh-huh. up. That's what I've recently found out. I, I'm not built like I, I used to be. I can't just like Dude, I, I have go to sleep at 2 a.m. and wake up at 6. <laughs> yeah, you're crusty. I have a hot take, man. Okay, I'm ready. I hate sleeping. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that is a hot take. I like being awake. You, uh, when you're normalized <laughs> liking being awake. I'm with like, you, dude. I get my eight hours. I've read so much on the importance of sleep. And sleep quality, so like I value it because it's important. But I wish na- Mother Nature, it, I wish it wasn't good to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We, we got any nappers in the room? I'm not a nap. I'm not guy. a napper. No, I, I can't. Don't, nap. I don't take naps. No. Ever told? Ever since Drake told me he didn't do it, I stopped doing it. <laughs> I will do anything Drake says. Absolutely. You just have this like 
binder where you've written down everything Drake <laughs> says that you can and can't do. <laughs> just live, live and die by the rules of Drake. The Heat play the Raptors in a playoff series. I just start sweating balls. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> All right. <laughs> we can call the episode there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Patrick. Yeah. And this is James. <laughs> Thank this is Max. Yo, what's up? <laughs> Thank you guys for watching the Foul Trouble Podcast. We are going to be virtual the next week as Patrick is taking a trip to Cleveland to hang out with the Cavaliers. I'm coming for you, Donovan. And I'm headed to Miami to take a trip with the Miami Heat. To so see Heat Suns we're live. Gonna, I am going to see Heat Suns live. Patrick and I will put something on the game. So we'll get a nice behind the scenes of uh, Cavs and Miami World on the next maybe episode or the one after that. Schedule might be a little bit different. We might be on the... I think we're posting Friday and Monday next week. But we'll let you guys know. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace.